Chapter Three of William an Englishman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Expatriate from Bangor, Maine. William an Englishman by Cicely Hamilton. Chapter Three. After the usual hesitations and excursions, they had settled on their future home a tiny flat in bloomsbury central and handy for the perpetual getting about to meetings which was so integral a part of their well-filled bustling lives they furnished it lovingly and with what they considered good taste griselda brought in her friends to admire and engaged a respectable woman who was to do for them and have all in readiness when they returned from their four weeks honeymoon and they were as foolishly happy over their nest as any other loving little couple they were married towards the end of july to be exact on the twenty-third day of the month the wedding took place in balham from the house of griselda's aunt the ceremony was performed by an enlightened vicar who had consented to omit the ignoble vow of obedience and the church was thronged to its doors with comrades and ardent sympathizers the advanced press spread itself over the description of the ceremony and in view of the fact that the bridesmaids six in number had all done time for assault even the press that was not advanced considered the event worth a paragraph the pair were snapshotted on leaving the church with the customary direful results and the modest residence of griselda's aunt could hardly accommodate the flood of progressive guests there was rice and slipper throwing and a whirl of good wishes and griselda flushed looked pretty and in william's eyes quite lovely they left by an afternoon train for dover and crossed the next day to ostend their selection of the belgian arden for a honeymoon was due to griselda's long-standing acquaintance with a cosmopolitan female revolutionist understood to be of russian polish extraction owing it was further understood to her pronounced opinions and pronounced manner of expressing them she had long ceased to be welcome in the land that gave her birth at any rate she avoided it studiously and existed chiefly at a series of epoch-making revolutionary meetings which she addressed by turns in bad german worse french and worst english she wrote vehement pamphlets in all these languages and prided herself on the fact that on the continent at least they were frequently suppressed by the police wore tartan blouses a perennial smile and a hat that was always askew for some reason or another she was the possessor of a cottage in the heart of the belgian arden which she visited on the rare occasions when she was not plying her epoch-making activities in london vienna or new york a week once a year was about all the use she made of it reappearing after her seven days seclusion with a brace of new pamphlets burning for the press and like a giant refreshed for the fight this estimable woman was as good-natured as she was revolutionary and hearing that griselda was thinking of a rural honeymoon she hastened to offer the happy couple the loan of her belgian property which was as secluded as heart could desire griselda since her fortnight at interlaken had hankered for another stay abroad she jumped at the offer and william whose acquaintance with foreign parts was limited to an international socialist congress in holland jumped gladly in unison with her madame amberg beamed with joy at their delighted acceptance of her offer 
she kissed griselda shook hands with william and promised to make all the necessary arrangements for their stay to write to the old woman who looked after the cottage and tell her when to expect them she babbled rhapsodically of honeymoons and the joys of the forest of arden forgetting how bored she was in the forest of arden at the end of a seven days stay there and further directed them how to reach it looked out trains and suggested hotels heaven smiled on the opening of their married life dover was a receding beauty in the distance and the channel a good-natured lake as their boat chunked between the long piers of ostend they held and squeezed each other's hands ecstatically the crowd collecting on the gangway side enabling them to do so unnoticed the consciousness of their total ignorance of the language of the country gave them an agitated moment as they set foot on foreign soil but taken in tow by a polyglot porter they were safely transferred from the quay to a second-class carriage with instructions to change at brussels and having changed obediently were in due course set down at namur madame amberg had advised them to lodge with economy at the hotel de hollande near the station but another specimen of the polyglot porter pounced down and annexed them firmly for his own more distant establishment and after a feeble resistance they followed him meekly and were thrust with their bags into the omnibus lying in wait for them they felt it their duty as the vehicle rattled them along to make a few depreciatory and high-principled remarks on the subject of the towering fortifications but having thus satisfied their consciences they relapsed into mere enjoyment of rest novelty a good dinner and a view of the lazy meuse after dinner when the fortress above them was fading into the soft blackness of a warm summer night they walked arm in arm by the river and were quite unutterably happy they rose early in the morning to catch the little river-boat for dinan caught it with the aid of their guardian the porter and camped side by side on its deck to enjoy the sauntering trip they enjoyed it so much and engrossingly that for the space of a morning they forgot their high principles they forgot even woman and democracy they were tourists only agape and delighted with their green cook's tickets in their pockets yet after all they were something more than tourists they were young man and woman who loved each other tenderly and whose happy lives were in tune with the happy landscape often they forgot to look at the happy landscape for the joy of gazing into each other's dear blue eyes the boat puffed finally to dinan where they stayed the night as planned where they stared at the cupolid church and the cliffs walked to the split rock on the road to Ansram, and bought some of the gingerbread their guide-book had told them to buy they ate it next day with no particular approval on the final stage of their journey in a train that puffed and pottered between heights and orchards in the winding company of a stream it puffed and pottered them at last to their wayside destination where a smiling and loutish country boy slouched up to take possession of them and their modest luggage they understood not a word of his thick-throated patois but knew from information imparted beforehand by madame amberg that this was their housekeeper's grandson and deputed to serve as their guide he gripped a bag easily in either hand and led the way past the few small houses ranged neatly as a miniature village alongside the miniature station and so by the white road that kept the river company 
after a mile or thereabout they left the white road turning sharply to the right at a cleft in the riverside cliff and striking a cart track scarcely more than a path into a valley twisted back among the hills it was a valley the like of which they had never seen which the world seemed to have forgotten a cool green vision of summer and solitary peace water had cleft in the tableland above them a passage that time had made leafy and gracious and laid aside for their finding through the flat lush pastures that divided the bold slopes there looped and tangled a tiny brook on its way to the meuse and the sea a winding ribbon of shadow of shimmer and reflection up the slopes rising steeply from the pastures there clustered tree above tree so thickly set that where the valley dwindled in the distance they might have been moss on the hillside there was no one in sight and no sound but their footsteps and the birds it was all a green prettiness given over to birds and themselves isn't it wonderful griselda said not knowing that her voice had dropped and lost its shrillness i never thought there could be such a place she spoke the truth if in hackneyed and unthinking phrase in her busy and crowded little mind the reflection of her busy little life there had been no room for visions of a deep and solitary peace involuntarily as they walked they drew nearer together and went closely side by side the sweet aloofness of the valley not only amazed them it awed them they were dimly conscious of being in contact with something which in its silent gracious way was disquieting as well as beautiful their theory and practice of life so far was the theory and practice of their purely urban environment of crowds committees and grievances and cocksure little people like themselves and lo out of an atmosphere of cocksureness and hustle they had stepped as it seemed without warning into one of mystery and the endless patience of the earth out here in this strange overpowering peace it was difficult to be conscious of grievances political or ethical instead came a new undefined and uneasy sense of personal inadequacy and shrinkage a sense of the unknown and hitherto unallowed for a fear of something undreamed of in their rabid and second-hand philosophy not that they reasoned after this fashion or were capable of analyzing the source of the tremor that mingled with their physical pleasure their sheer delight of the eye but before they had been in the valley many hours they sympathized in secret they did not know why with madame amberg's consistent avoidance of its loveliness saw hazily and without comprehension why for all her praise of its beauties she was so loath to dwell there the place though they knew it not was a new idea to them and therefore a shadow of terror to their patterned and settled convictions as such their organized and regulated minds shrank from it at once and instinctively cautiously apprehensive lest the new idea should tamper with accepted beliefs disturb established views and call generally for the exercise of faculties hitherto unused they had an uneasy foreboding never mentioned aloud by either though troublous to both that long contact with solitude and beauty might end by confusing issues that once were plain and so unfitting them for the work of progress and humanity for committees agitations the absorbing of pamphlets and the general duty of rearranging the universe there was something probably in the frame of mind in which they approached the valley 
they came of a migratory holiday race and had seen green beauty before if only fleetingly and at intervals what they had lacked before was the insight into beauty born of their own heart's content the wonder created by their own most happy love they followed their guide for the most part in silence relieved that he had ceased his well-meaning attempts to make them understand his jargon and speaking when they spoke at all in voices lowered almost to a whisper what's that griselda queried still under her breath that was a flash of blue fire ahead of them darting slantwise over the stream later they learned to understand that a flash of blue fire meant kingfisher but for the moment william shook his head nonplussed and hazarded only it's a bird for half an hour or so it was only the birds and themselves then at a turn in the narrowing valley they came in sight of cows nuzzling the pastures several cows party-coloured black and white like the cows of a noah's ark and further on a tiny farmhouse standing close up to the trees in its patch of vegetable garden they knew from madame amberg of the existence of the tiny farmhouse it was an old woman living there who would do for them during their stay at the neighboring cottage cook and clean and make tidy in return for a moderate wage the barking of a kenneled nondescript brought the old woman shuffling to the door to welcome them presumably in her native tongue and to take their measure from head to heel with a pair of shrewd sunken eyes of her verbal greetings they understood nothing but the mention of madame Amberg but having looked them up and down enough the old lady shuffled back into her kitchen for the key of the revolutionist property she reappeared with the key in one hand and a copper stew-pan in the other wherewith she waved the signal to advance and shuffled off in guidance ahead of her grandson and the visitors a quarter of an hour's more walking on a dwindling path brought them in sight of their sylvan honeymoon abode it had originally been built for the use of a woodman and was a four-roomed cottage on the edge of the wood overlooking the stream and the pasture of the black-and-white cows madame pays they knew at least her name unlocked the door and ushered them into the kitchen where the boy deposited their bags end of chapter three recording by expatriate from bangor maine